0: Christiana, good morning, and thank you for joining us on Austin Hellenic Radio. You have a fascinating and moving story to share with us today, the story about a Greek Orthodox orphanage in the village of Bacchus, India, just outside of Kolkata, uh, the Theotokos Greek Orthodox Girls Orphanage. To begin, tell us about the orphanage and how you first learned about it.
1: Well, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, I first heard about the orphanage. Actually, when I graduated from undergrad in 2004, and Metropolitan Nikitas, who was first a priest in Chicago, um, went over to Hong Kong and Southeast Asia, and he was the Metropolitan there for many years. And he came to the cathedral in Los Angeles and said that he needed volunteers in Asia to help him with his different operations such as the girls orphanage. Right away when I heard about it, I was just graduating from college and I had to go there. I just really wanted to volunteer in a developing country and I thought that it would be a great experience to also go through the church and see what our church was doing in other parts of the world. So that's how I originally heard of it. And during my first trip there, I was really prepared to be sad and see a lot of poverty and also be really devastated at the orphanage. I didn't know what to expect. I had never been to a developing country before. And, you know, when I first got there, of course, the the poverty was very saddening and disheartening. Um, But, you know, going to the orphanage was a completely different thing. It's like this safe haven in the middle of Calcutta, which can be a very rough city. It's very populated. It's also very dirty. There's a lot of people living on the streets and a very clear definition and a clear divide of the rich and the poor. But going to the orphanage, it's in a village. It's about 40 minutes outside of Calcutta, and the orphanage is put on. It's it started by the Greek Orthodox Church. A nun named Sister Nictaria from Corinthos and a monk had originally started it, and the monk is now the bishop of Madagascar, and his name is Bishop Ignatius. And they had started it in 1999, and there was, a, there was a building there because there had been Greeks there for generations. And there's even a Greek cemetery in Calcutta, which many people don't know. And they had gone and found this building, which was in the center of Calcutta, that was desolate. There was nobody living in the building. And they saw all the poverty around them. And they thought, you know, let's, let's help, let's start helping these people. These Sister Nectaria and Bishop Ignatius were missionaries and they had been on previous missions in other developing countries before. So they decided to build an orphanage, and they first thought, well, let's build a boys' orphanage. And then they saw the social problem of the girl, and that girls were generally more unwanted. It's not very calm. It's not as if every person in India doesn't want their girls, because that's not the case. But typically the girls have a dowry, and this is also covered in the movie, that the girls have a dowry, and so sometimes they're viewed as a liability where it's expensive and they have to pay to provide for their daughters. So a lot of times you'll see all over India that there are a lot more orphanages and services that are geared towards girls, and there is the problem of girls being, mothers having girls as they're pregnant and aborting them, and they're, there are a lot of sex determination tests in India. So they decided to open this orphanage for girls. And the orphanage is just this beautiful place to be. And the girls are really focused on the education. And Sister Nakeda really has a plan for all of these girls to really succeed and have their own goals and their own opportunities so that they don't have to be. If they find themselves in a situation where they maybe might be abused or they might be married and and their husband passes away, that they can really stand on their own two feet and live a life, a family life as well.
0: And when you did decide to make the trip out to India to go to this orphanage, you ended up staying for six months, I believe. What was the experience like for you to volunteer for six months at the orphanage?
1: It was amazing. I was only supposed to go for three months, and I just really enjoyed being there and being with the girls and just learning about their everyday life. They're on a very strict schedule, so... I just loved watching, you know, watching them grow and being there with them, and actually that was the first time that I had gone, and I had gone um, three times after that, and, you know, as a volunteer, it's it's great, and sometimes if you go with a project, it's a lot better. The first time I went, I wasn't really on a project, and so, I was there to help them with whatever they needed but it wasn't specific projects such, such as you know, helping to paint the playground or helping with construction um the first time I was there it was really just to be there for the girls and be like a role model to them and help them with their english and be a role model about education and be somebody that can talk to them about the importance of education.
0: And your experience at the orphanage inspired you to go back to shoot a film about the orphanage, despite not having any prior filmmaking experience. What inspired you to come back and to make the orphanage a subject of a short film, which became titled Lucky Girls?
1: Well, after I came back the first time that I had been to India, I just wanted to tell everybody about the orphanage, and I had a fundraiser at my Greek festival at St. Catherine's in Redondo Beach, and I just found myself wanting to tell everyone about this beautiful place, and I had some video footage, and I would show it to people and show them the girls dancing and the girls singing. I just wanted to share it with them, but I felt limited with how much I could share because they couldn't really understand the stories of these girls. So I had the opportunity. I had just finished grad school, and I had moved back to California, and I was looking for jobs. And my aunt called me, who is um, a family therapist, and was invited to India to go for a conference. And she just said, would you like to come to India with me? It's sponsored. And I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to go and make a film. So I called a friend, my friend Eric Inohosa, and I said to him, do you want to come to India and help me make a film? And he's a filmmaker. And, you know, right off the bat, he said, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. And so it was just this really, really quick decision, quick conversation. And, you know, soon enough, we were there and Eric was a cinematographer and he shot all of the shots and... You know, I had had the pre-existing relationship with the orphanage and with the girls. So I kind of knew somewhat the stories that we wanted to cover of certain girls and the certain footage that we wanted. And also we, we took about 30 hours of footage, which the film is 16 minutes long. And what's interesting, what we didn't include in the film, is that we took two days and we went with a law student all around Calcutta. We just drove pretty much everywhere and stopped in different places. And we talked to people from shopkeepers to owners of stores to professors about girls and how they viewed girls in their families. And that really gave us a perspective of how to mold the film and a perspective, their own perspective. Because We go in there with our own perspectives, and I think it's really important to also show it from their voice because truly this is a film for them, not for us, and it's a film that can help the orphanage. So we took about 30 hours of footage, and I returned, and Eric started working on some different projects. So I found two new filmmakers to help me edit. Um, Yusuke Sato is a UCLA film student. And he's very talented at what he does. And so I met with him, and I also met with Rob Henry. And Rob Henry is a filmmaker as well. And I had not known either of these two people before. And when they heard about what I was doing, they were willing to help me. And I had raised a few funds for us to go out there and for us for production costs and post-production costs. So, I sat down with Rob Henry and he taught me how to time code, how to look at footage and create a story and to create different themes that would happen. So, what I did was I had sort of a timeline and then I met with Yusuke, our editor, and he just came up with a really nice rough cut. And then Rob and I really just worked on it. And I really have all those filmmakers to thank and really Rob Henry who just sat down with me out of the goodness of his heart just to help me. And, you know, I think it's hard working with somebody who doesn't know anything about film and it could be frustrating, but I think he also, you know, he's a stranger to orthodoxy, to Greek, to Greek things, Greek people. And he really just sat down with me and We really just put it together, and it was a great experience, and I loved making it.
0: For a lot of people, a story about a girls' orphanage in India might result in images of sadness and poverty coming to mind, but Lucky Girls is a film of warmth and beauty, about family and love and faith. Tell us more about the actual film and the story that it tells.
1: Well, I think that is the story of the orphanage, is When you go there, you think that you are going to be so sad and, you know, their stories are really sad that some of them were abandoned. One girl was abandoned at a fair and the other girl saw her parents commit suicide and one girl is the youngest of eight children and has a mother, but her mother can't afford her. So you do have, these girls do have these, Dad stories and these backgrounds that you couldn't even believe. We couldn't even understand from where we are. But filming and being at the orphanage and being with these girls, you actually see that they are doing really well in life. And I think that that's what really makes this orphanage stand out is that they're dancing and they're singing as if they're professional singers, and they're doing well in their studies. They're at the top of their class, and they're having fun, and they're getting along. They're laughing. They're just like any other kid. That was what I had always seen in the orphanage, and any volunteer that goes there, they just fall in love with the orphanage for that reason. That's really what we wanted to convey. And in terms of the title, The Lucky Girls, I had asked the girls, you know, what do you think the movie should be called? And they all came up with different ideas. And one girl said, I have an idea. And I'll tell you in a little bit, but I'm going to go to my room and I'll come back and I'll tell you. So she came back in a few hours and she gave me a little poem. And it was called Lucky Girls, which is the start to the movie. And the movie starts out with this poem. And the fact that this is how the orphanage is, is that... That's what we wanted to capture, is we, we really didn't spin their stories in any way. This is their reality, is that they are having really good and fulfilling lives, and they are being educated, and they're very happy, and they're very lucky. They, they do feel very blessed to be in that orphanage.
0: Having seen the film, a lot of the girls even seem to end up in college. A lot of the girls seem to have aspirations to go on and begin careers of their own. Uh, I believe uh, toward the end of the film, there were some shots of girls talking about how they would like to become a doctor or a lawyer. So it seems that the orphanage really does provide a lot of opportunities to the girls to build a better life and future for themselves.
1: Yes, actually, we were there during a very exciting time because the girls were just applying for college. And we really didn't know if they were going to get into college, but they were just studying and trying so hard. And it was their dream, it was what they believed in. And so when we filmed it, we were so excited. We even went to some of the colleges that they wanted to go to, and we spoke to the professors there, and the students there, and just really wanted to understand where they would be if they got into college. And so after we came home and we started working on the film, we heard news that they did get into college. And we were very excited. And that really is, you know, the dream of many of the girls. Now, there are some girls that might not go to college and that might not have it in them to have that kind of life. But that's not the only opportunity, although it is probably one of the best opportunities for them. If they don't have a track where they are going to go to college, Sister Nakedia makes sure that they have skills and that they have certifications of other things that they can do that will provide them financial security. And so even the girls that are educated, they are getting trained. There's some girls have a dance certification so that they can become dance teachers. And really the dream of Sister is that these girls have a path that they can all take and these own plans that they can progress in their future. And I think a lot of the girls want to come back to the orphanage and really help it become a self-sustaining orphanage where the girls will eventually run the orphanage and become teachers and doctors within the orphanage. And I think it's a really beautiful model.
0: You just recently embarked on a new and a very timely campaign to Helpless Orphanage as well, the 4,000 Raindrops campaign. Tell us a little bit about this new initiative and the symbolism of naming the campaign 4,000 Raindrops.
1: Well, i'm really really excited about this campaign i had been asking sister nectavia for a few months i have been saying asking her you know can you provide me with a sheet, just a, a list of needs and financial needs, because I think that people like to give where they know their money is going to go. And she's just so busy. And, you know, she had, she's been working with volunteers and with the girls. And, you know, the list wasn't really coming to me, but she kept on saying, we need a water well. We really, really need a water well. I'll get you the list, but right now we need a water well. And it costs $4,000. And parts of the funds had already been a group in the, in America had actually donated about $1700. So they needed an additional 4000 to build the well. And Lent was coming up and I just thought, okay, how can we put Lent and this $4000 need and this well together? And I thought 4000 raindrops. It just kind of came to me. And so then I thought, you know, Lent is about when I think about Lent, I remember going to church a lot with my family to different services. I remember being around kids, and and I know that the church really tries to involve kids during this time, this holy time. So I thought, let's do something that's really family-oriented for children, for adults. And so we came up with all these activities, and I really just started putting the word out there that we're gonna get into a campaign. And I started hearing back from people that I had never known. There's a lady that has a website, an Orthodox website called Illumination Learning, and her name is Jennifer Hawk. And she created all these lesson plans. And another lady at my church, Shauna Jakari, who created a lesson plan for me. And there were just so many people that created these Sunday school lesson plans and family lesson plans that people can use to take this time to teach their children and their families about situations in developing countries and how we can really respond to these situations. And also, I'm really happy that I have partnered with the president of the Maze of Athena, Kiki Amanatidis, and she has helped me put together a really interesting concept called a meeting well spent and it's a competition between all the maids of america and the idea is that at your next maid's meeting you bring a bucket and you fill the bucket with any change or any donations, and the Maid's chapter that raises the most money gets to be featured in our blog. So people are just really thinking outside the box and thinking of how they can involve their own businesses. I have one restaurant, um, Burger City Grill, and the Tsubukas family that wants to host a restaurant, Lucky Girls restaurant night, where they give a percentage of their proceeds to the Lucky Girls and where we can tell all of our friends You know, come to this restaurant on this night. And I think that that will really work, especially with the Greek community, because there's so many Greek people, you know, that own restaurants and that might want to get more of their friends involved in coming to the restaurant and working for a good cause. So it's really, you know, it's really open to a lot of ideas. And we really just, we launched the campaign. And I've been getting lots of emails from different people who want to throw Lucky Girls screenings in their homes or in their universities, USC is going to, with the Catholic Center, they're going to host a screening, and the Greek Hellenic Association at USC is going to do a screening as well. So I'm just really happy that people have been responding, and the amount $4,000 is it's not that much to launch such a big campaign, but what I want to track is how many people are involved. and. So what we've done with that is we have created this graphic that is going to be created this weekend. And each person that is involved and that has donated is going to represent one brick. So brick by brick, we're going to be building this well. And I really just hope that you know more, more and more people who hear about this will want to get involved. And even if they can give really small amounts. You know, I know that it's such a tough economy, but in a campaign that is $4,000, even students can participate and even children can participate in something like that. And I wanted it to be something really inclusive rather than a huge fundraiser where people have to pay several hundred dollars. You know, let's save that for another time. Let's do this involve the kids and the youth and young adults. So that was really the idea, and I'm really excited, and I really hope more people will hear about it and email me and get involved. Another idea that we have within the 4,000 Raindrops campaign was thought of by Stefanos Rulakis at Tulane Law School, and it's called the Philanthropy Party. And the Philanthropy Party is a party that you would have if you're celebrating your birthday or a shower or an anniversary or just any kind of occasion that would involve people exchanging presents. And so instead of exchanging presents, you ask people to donate to the orphanage. And you can find out more information about the philanthropy Party also on our website. And we're also really trying to push this out to the Greek and the Orthodox communities. And I've met a really great lady named Pamela Spiders who runs Inspires PR. And she has volunteered her time to do all of the PR for us. And she's just done such a great job. And so you will definitely be seeing information about 4,000 Raindrops. And I hope that you will join us.
0: Looking back at your experience in India at the orphanage, are there any memories or experiences which particularly stand out to you today?
1: Yes. The thing that really keeps bringing me back to India is that I have a goddaughter there. And when I was there the first time, there was a girl there. Well, let me actually rewind a little bit and say that most of the girls that go to the orphanage are Hindu. And there is a percentage of them that are Catholic because it is a Catholic area in that village. But the girls come from very diverse backgrounds, and baptism, being baptized is never forced upon them. Sister Nectaria really just wants them to be ready if they decide that they want to be baptized into the Greek Orthodox Church. She really... Tells them, you know, just you, you need to do this when we're ready. You need to just pray about it. We need to think about it. We need to talk about it. It's really not forced upon anyone. So, girl, there was one girl named Sabonti, and at the time, she was 14 years old, and she was one of the people in the church, because the girls go to church every day, and they go to Greek Orthodox Church, and that's part of the mission, and part of the orphanage being run by the Orthodox Church is that they go to church every day, and they sing the songs, and there's one girl that sang so beautifully, and I thought, oh, she must be baptized. She just must be, because you just can't sing and not feel it if you sing like that. So I, I had asked her. I said, "Are you, you know, are you baptized?" And she said, "No." And but you know, I really love singing the songs. So then, about two months later, she went up to the priest and she said, "You know, I've I've been thinking about it, and I really want to be baptized." And she decided that she wanted to be baptized. And so I said to her, "Can I baptize you?" and because I really wanted to have a connection and a relationship with one of the girls that would sort of last forever. And she said yes, and she was just so excited. And so I I, I decided to give her the name Cassiani because Cassiani was one of the first female vocalists in the church. And, you know, ever since I baptized her, we were really close, and I asked that she call me Nuna, and we established a really close relationship. And she and I have kept in touch since then. We write letters back and forth. And she's one of the girls that was featured in the film. And all of the songs that you hear that are church songs and that are Greek songs, most of them are sung by her. And it was just such a great opportunity to have that relationship. And she's one of the ones that's in college. And she's actually studying for her exams to finish her second year of college. And she's doing really, really well. And so that is what really comes to mind when I think of the orphanage is I think of her because I know what she's been through. And I know that ever since she was 14 years old, it was her dream to go to college. And now she's in college. And I just think it's a remarkable story. And she's somebody that I will always love and I will always continue to stay in touch with and help as much as I can.
0: Having seen the film, I would agree that her singing was very, very beautiful and very moving. And hopefully any of our listeners that watch the film as well would probably agree, which leads me to my final question. Where can our listeners find out more about the Lucky Girls movie and about the 4,000 raindrops campaign?
1: Well, you can go directly to our website. I really made it easy for people to watch the film. I don't, you know, it's not for sale. It's all online. It's all for everyone to watch. It's, you just go on our website, theluckygirlsmovie.com, and you can find Everything about the campaign, it's actually our landing page right now, and we made a one-minute video just introducing the campaign. And then if you click on film, you can find the film in 16 minutes long, and you can also find it in Greek subtitles, which makes me very happy is that some Greek people from Greece actually put subtitles on it and have shared it all around the world. And so you can go there, and if you feel... So inclined to donate, you can also donate there, and the funds are being funneled through St. Basil Church in San Jose, and all of the donations go directly to the orphanage. All of the people that process these donations are volunteers from the church, and it goes directly into Sister Nicaria's account for the orphanage.
0: Christiana, thank you for taking the time to join us on Austin Hellenic Radio this morning. And best wishes for success with your campaign and with all of your efforts in helping the orphanage.
1: Well, thank you so much for this opportunity to share and to help me raise awareness for the orphanage. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: It was our pleasure. Thank you for joining us.